So, uh, maybe something of a review and a recap as we're moving on, time moves on. So it began with uh, the session, uh, time together with recommending this orientation around uh, values, the sacred, values and virtues, your own, those of the Buddha, the Arahants, the the noble ones, the people who admire and respect, Uh, not just as persons, but epitomizing and embodying certain values uh, and virtues that you resonate with. So you bring it up in yourself and in others, near or far, alive or dead, doesn't matter, because you're picking up timeless universal virtues and values that people have goodwill, patience, resilience, savvy, you know, um, persistence, tenacity, you know, resilience, um, you know, you know uh, just courage, mm-hmm. uh, forgiveness. Mm-hmm. You, know, just, you, you just sit there and you can reel off a whole list of qualities and, and then can you actually resonate with one or two and particularly if you see them being lived out so you really get a feeling of that's an embodied quality not just an idea values and virtues of your own others and so they resonate you you touch in on that level this is where we're going to begin this is this is our body this is our jitta's body this is our jitta's blood this is our jitta's nervous system this is what's going to rally and gather and all you know and take take move forward or however you want to talk about it it's not going to be the personality you know personality will kind of struggle along uh, feeling confused and going through its difficulties and we have to bear with that and place most of your your agency around virtues and values and try to be respectful the personal limitations and you know coax them along uh, checking in with uh, I think it's a particular order around this but other people uh, so if we're seeing other people as, as noises that get in the way or irritating or people we have difficulties with we need to drop a bit deeper into mortality we're mortal we, we suffer, we experience uh, vulnerability, we have love and joy, uh, we have stress and we have comfort, you know, this is our, our humanity, and so resonating with that across the field, and somehow or another, who knows how, we've gathered together, you know, people who don't necessarily know each other, or people who don't, aren't necessarily, um, you know, really fit well together on a personal level but so sensing the shared field and responding to the shared field so can I can I mingle merge just let myself release into these these occasions when we meet and chant together and offer food together and you know meditate sit together as something we're gathering up and and then once you begin to recognize the place where you know we can all meet then again, you've t- touched into this place in your of chitta. We can't all meet on a historical, autobiographical level of our 
of our personal circumstances or histories or, fa- or tastes and, and, and uh, dispositions, but we can meet on this level of parami, uh, values and virtues. So in feeling that it's great gain and it's great blessing to be in a field where that's, that's the tune, that's the atmosphere. Then you pick it up, you see it in others, and you, you know, hey, this is where it's tune in. And the more we can build it up, there's a particular field effect that occurs. And it's warm, it's not just conformist. Yeah. Uh, checking in with um, your body. And particularly the living body, I mean the, the life force body, the energy body. You know, so clearly you have several bodies, one is the visual body you see, and, and that isn't partic- regarded particularly highly, <laughs> which is a, a great relief because <laughs> you don't have to make it that, that good. Uh, the visual body, in fact, is considered rather a distraction and to be, you know, put put aside. <laughs> uh, and even the, the 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 sheer kind of physicality. We're not necessarily trying to get that fit and supple, but only in accordance with that which will allow our energy body to be more accessible, resonant, and. Uh, uh, and accessible, um, immaterial, subtle material, not immaterial, but subtle material, energy, the body that's breathing, that's actually doing the breathing in and out, the body that's doing the navigating of standing up, mm-hmm. the body that's, that's uh, doing how to move, you know, and it's not, you can't f- follow it with your thought, you can, f- what you follow it with is your chitta, as you can sense it. And this helping us also both to be much more in touch with this subtle material, which is both um, a potential for, for strength and vitality and great authenticity. And it's also, it's afflicted, um, particularly in a, in a disembodied culture where it's afflicted, first of all, by sheer neglect, not really having checked in with the fullness of it, or exercised the fullness of it, or spread through or opened the fullness of it. So just this alone, when a culture is mostly disembodied, there's this, so like it's it's an uncultivated area, it's grown rusty and and, and, uh, dark and... uh, uncleared so it's it's choked up and so therefore one is recommended to to cultivate ways and means that perhaps were not necessary in the time of the buddha people these were people of the land who didn't need this because they they never lost it (laughs) so you know i've added on various embodiment practices like qigong if you do yoga, then important to just develop long, slow movements that you can stay in and, and feel until you get to that place where you feel a sense of something uh, begins to yield. You feel the energy move through the tissues. 
So there are various, you know, and these are all part of the Asian cultural, religious cultural inheritance. These were all, you know, when you look at India, China, they all had these various energy systems going for them. And they weren't, you know, it wasn't to make, it was was really for a spiritual purpose. And so we're checking in with that, because when that system is refreshed and awake, it's it's where your chitta can find ground, and you can begin to sense things. You can sense things, and you orient around what that place where your chitta and your body meet, what that's telling you. It's like you're reading a pulse. Uh, and the first thing you want to get into that is telling you you're, you're safe, you're here. So you pause. So this is wilderness training. Remember, the first thing you do is you just, you don't just rush down a trail, you pause, and you check in. How are you? What's happening? Mm. Are you there? You know, don't blunder off. Mm. Don't follow the just the signpost. Check out what's going on. You've got to rely on your wits here, and that's going to come through this embodied intelligence. This land, this people of the land generated this uh, Buddhism, and it's always the case if you look in the history of Buddhism. It starts so with people of the land and the forest. Then gradually gets more organised. Then you know the, the political powers, the state moves in and says, "Oh, we'll give you a monastery, a nice temple. You sit there, and we can, you can organise this district." And eventually, the whole sangha collapses into some kind of political system, <laughs> institutionalised and domesticated. And then somebody breaks off and goes, "Let's go back to the forest." <laughs> they start it up again. That's the way it's always been. If you look in all these lineages and traditions in any of the countries it's always that way because there's this it's this it's a waveform and you know you can't recognize the place really the buddha was saying is like just at the edge of the forest so you can move out into the village and you know suffuse the society and then you return to the forest and you 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 go in and out at that level and encourage the you know, urban people just come in to the edge of the forest. And so there's that, that kind of a lung, you could say, where you're tr- trying to purify and clean uh, and, and bring the teachings into the society. You go too far in, it gets organized and then it dies. <laughs> Not completely because the spirit, the heart is always there. And you think, oh, then something isn't quite right, I need to get back to nature again and so this is our, our fourth fourth reference point nature the natural world how nature works rhythmic cyclical no straight lines uh, everything's alive everything's listening everything's breathing you're in something you're not walking across you're not walking through a corridor you're walking through living territory that knows you that senses you that feels you 
And again, this is something we've kind of lost, dominated it all. So we don't listen to it. We just cut it down or move it around or carve through it. This is never the way of the people, of the forest people. So what does it take? It means, uh, you know, where, where do you listen to nature? Not with your ears or eyes, but just bearing in mind, this is alive. Get that thought, this tree is alive, it's sentient, it's sensing things. And we don't have to understand it, but just, can you get to that place where you, you know that, you get that? This has got a different intelligence. It, it does know what's going on. <laughs> it's got a slower nervous system. You know, um, impulses rush through the human nervous system like a hundred times quicker than through a tree, but they do move through a tree. It does know. It does grow. It reproduces. Animals, uh, they do feel things. <laughs> They're not just meat on, with fur on. <laughs> and they're quick and they're yeah and this is not just to go to a biology course but just to, to touch in just as we do with other beings other humans if you're in something that's alive and you know it's alive you come alive because the sense of knowing as a heart sense means you're you're connected. There's an energetic connection. and So when you're with things that are really alive and you recognize them as you know, subjective intelligences in their own right, you're respectful. You listen up. Something you quietens down. You come out of your head and you get a sense of resonance. And that's what we're looking for. Not a biology class, but the sense of dropping my center from dropping the, or lowering or perhaps lowering is the wrong word but resetting the center of my intelligence from the thought mind to the heart mind because that's that's what that's the quality that is to be purified clarify this is the quality the area the energy whatever you want to call it jitta that gets strengthened purified yeah, and develops skills. And all the forest tradition, forest masters, they would always, you know, uh, cultivate like this. So there'd be recollections, chanting, building up the sense of this is where we are with Buddha, with, with, with the Sangha, we're in Dhamma. The values, the virtues are resonated with. We reflect upon the teachers and the masters and the great beings, near and far, classical or just contemporary, those who've helped me, those who have sheltered me, those who have encouraged me, those who I've seen modeling examples, and they spent a lot of time just building this up. This is where I am. Uh, this is my lineage. This is where I am. This is what I belong to. And then I live in accordance with that. That's that's the point. 
Mm-hmm. And mostly in, in forest training, a person would be spend many considerable period of time predominantly just doing this and serving and listening and attending and coming down into the heart center and just picking it up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some of them particularly would just build almost like a, like a, a web they'd live in of, of um, both um, Buddhas, even Bodhisattvas, spirits, deities, and pay respects to the spirits of the area. And say, oh, I mean no harm. You know, these, they realize we're sharing this cosmos with all kinds of stuff that we can't see, we don't know. But we just say, you know, I'm a disciple of the Buddha, I mean no harm, I pay respect. Um, you know, and so that sense of just acknowledging the uh, spiritual potencies in an area particularly in forests. And we may, of course, not being people of the land, we might very well dismiss all that as hokum or, um, well, (laughs) but whether there are devas and demons and yakas or whether they're you call them energies or whether just bearing that in mind wakens something up in yourself where their internal qualities are awakened where you come into more your imaginative level your level where you feel primary energies of uh, archetypal energies of blessed ones madonnas mothers uh, warriors uh, angry deities you know whether you feel them in your heart, whether they're in the air, where they are. Because we, when we open up the, this subtle material field, then the landscape changes. We're not in a kind of, here I am, a blob of meat walking around with some other stuff going on. I'm in this cosmos. Where the energies are in my body, they're in other, other people's bodies, they're in the trees. These energies and forces of life are happening. And some of them one can discern and some of them you can't see with your eyes. Um, you can feel them. Uh, and as you get more acute, you can feel them more deeply. And you don't, where's that? Is that in your mind, in your head, in your body, in your nervous system, in the atmosphere, in the trees, in the, who knows? Um, that's not so significant. But you can't, you know, if you go through any of these traditional Buddhist teachings, you won't find, you won't get very far without meeting some some devas and yuccas and ogres and so forth. Are they all co- so completely wrong? <laughs> or is it just that we don't, we don't get it? Yeah, and so, you know, you get this mapping of the cosmos on this subtle material level. And, just, and you see it's a rather different map. This is a map that people of the land would hold. And if you recognize this, if you've done any sort of un- cultural understanding of people of the land, uh, different maps, mm-hmm. the terrain. So you see, we might have a Google map with, this is where the local restaurant is, this is where the, uh, you know, have all these human features on it with the road numbers and intersections and traffic mileage and stuff like that, little blue lines and red lines crawling on a paper. Blue lines and red lines moving on a piece of paper. That's reality. 
with numbers on it. You go, I don't see any numbers. I don't see no paper. I don't see no blue lines or red lines. What's he talking about? <laughs> and yet we can immediately transpose that, right? That particular thing. Whereas people of the land would say, well, you've walked through three days towards the sun, cross two rivers, and where the, where, go to the place with smoking water and look towards the direction where the deer are feeding. Then you see bear mountain, mountain looks like a bear, and you walk two days over there, and you come to the place where you, you hear this sound, you know, They're actually, or the place where our ancestors died. And these are all, you know, and people of land would hold these kind of maps. And in Australia, they'd sing them, sing the map as you walk along the land. Because uh, it's just like so embedded, so embodied, so in themselves, so it wired up in the nervous system. And, um, you know, maybe we're not going to get back to that. But um, what's that about? Why is it that we take our map as being the ultimate true reality? Because it fits the car. <laughs> so we're getting reborn as automobiles. <laughs> wondering why the gears don't work so you push the push down and put the gas in and you know get the thing going <laughs> well um. <laughs> so in checking in with these things and then you so the idea is to, to just sort of operate from a different place and awaken that intelligence that sensitivity uh, and Review, if you like, if you have any maps, start to review them in terms of felt experience, not in terms of lists and levels, and just and you go into your body, this is where, hmm, this is where the angry demons live down there. <laughs> this is where the, the, the quality of lightness, this is where things are moving, this is the place that, this is the frozen, yeah. This is the place where um, there's something trilling or resonant. This is where things run and flow. And so, you, you know, you can contemplate earth, air, fire, water and all its different qualities. And then this is where, and then you want to have all that. And all these are, we respect, it's like that. And that sense of embracing it all recognizing this body has an intelligence too and it certainly begins to if we allow it to if we generate that acceptance and general mind of goodwill and respect it begins to settle and self-organize and this itself can take uh, a good period of time to to cultivate but you know just the very act of, of attending it to in that way is already a shift of attitude that has a certain appropriateness to it. There's humility, there's openness, there's sensitivity, and your chitta begins to, you know, feel that. 
And this very much affects one's intentions. And so jitta's primary um, mode is uh, in terms of its what it does or cultivates is intentionality, volition. And as I've tried to um, touch in, to explain, there are many flexions of intention that can occur. It's not mechanical, it's organic. And you, you, you cultivate your intentions in accordance with developing capacities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, in... in um, Certainly, in the forest masters, or um, you know, the, this was considered like this is like uh, what we're dealing with is like a kind of uh, something like a, a wrestling match, or a chess game, or even a, a flower arranging contest. You know, you've got to develop both. You know, some things you just got to meet head on and wrangle with and push back. Something she's just got to strategize and, hey, I think I'll go this way, duck, weave, you know. Some things you've got to be very delicate with. Some things you just step back and wait and listen. Oh, those are all flexions of intention. You know, just just step back, something to be learned here. Don't know what it is, but intention is not moving forward. Heart doesn't move forward. It doesn't move forward. So it's something to be waited for here that also is an intention something needs to be open to accept it be more receptive this too is an intention and you're just kind of working with these so you just don't don't have one throw you have ten or a certain number of, of gestures you can make you start playing these it's like someone learning their their gymnastics or their you know some things you know require subtle things, something require speed, something require strong rooted strength, and you're learning this flexion of the chitta to inflect in various ways because no one way is going to work I, as far as I can make out you know no, there's no one way that's going to work because we're not dealing with something that only comes in one way it comes through many ways it comes as a subtle voice it comes as a gripping fear it comes as a strange dissonance it comes as a as a oppressiveness it comes as a as a smoky cloud it comes as something that tempts and seduces it comes in many forms mara has many many forms and it just keeps throwing different forms to bewilder or stun or send the mind up the wrong, off the wrong trail. So we've got to develop a lot of savvy. Yeah. And mostly, is you know, you don't move. Uh, you, you keep on your safe territory. Yeah. You keep where you feel safe and strong. And that's standing, sitting, lying down. Walk, just simply walking where you feel yourself, I'm here, I'm okay. And then you say, let's try this, try that, try this, try You never leave that place of safety. This is why refuge is our most important reference point. And then you begin to test and check this and that. Checking in from the embodied place. Checking in with your heart from the embodied place. Not from the ideals. 
not from the end of the path where we could be or should be or like to be, but from where we where we're standing right now. And some things you just have to wait with, not get panicked around. Everybody gets these clouds, the dullness, the grayness, the loss of confidence, pause, stop, no moving forward, no moving forward. Find ground, safe ground, till your faith comes up again. You know, sometimes you go down for eight, and you've got to pause, rest there, Okay, right, where are we going? Can this stand up? Be here, you know? I can be here. And staying in that until you feel that's okay, just to be here is okay. Just to be present is okay, that's enough. Wait till your heart rises and then you can start to move forward. So it's like that. Sometimes you're just spinning off into your head. No good, stop, you know, turn round, go back. And you run down the wrong trail. It looked good, but you ran down it, it was the wrong trail. Because you're not acutely aware of where you're going. With this set, with this sense of cultivating a whole range of skills, then you can work on different levels. I saying yesterday... The macro level where you just deliberately, you know, structure things into your into your day. This is your place where you stop. This is the place where you um, you resist. You say you've got to do this. You can't do that. You have a few of those that block block impulsiveness. And somebody's mentioning about you know compulsive eating and reflecting, and I thought, well, you know, if you're right-handed. Maybe you try eating with your left hand. That should slow it down. It doesn't slow it down. Try eating with no hands. That should slow it down. <laughs> no hands and your eyes closed. That will certainly slow it down. <laughs> so you can even do things like that. when you it's, it's too rapid for you to do any subtle reasoning. You just basically tie your hands behind your back. And then you try and eat compulsively like that. <laughs> Yeah. So these are, uh, you know, so, so it's fairly gross. Yeah. You know, getting up in the morning, sometimes you put your clock the other side of the room, so you just got to get out of bed to switch the thing off, um, and so on. And you look at skillful means, and one should not be, uh, uh, you know, faint-hearted. You know, just put very simple, skillful means as as on the physical level uh, and then touching in with values and, and virtues and building them up and how can you how can those be expressed chanting uh, bowing uh, where you serve the center is these are all examples of how the monasteries run and one can certainly, you know, wash dishes, think of washing dishes and washing dishes, grubby dishes, don't like washing dishes. Well, you could do that, that will bring you some suffering. Or one could say, oh, it's developing patience and serving the community. Hmm, that's a bit better. 
serving the community and developing patience. You know, the hands don't mind dishes. And with that quality, rather than I've got to hurry up and get it done, I'll make sure it's always exactly spotlessly right. And I think this can be an unfortunate um, uh, message, particularly in, you know, institutionalized centers. They've got systems. And um, there's, a, there's a drawback with that. So the aim is when you're cleaning up, you just look around and see what really... Mm, mm, and check things out and tidy around and make something out of it since you're going to be doing it you might as well make make it a practice of attention, carefulness and uh, uh, using some sensitivity around it and of course moving around in a way one isn't um, disturbing others but recognising that we do disturb others and then we you know, the disturbing quality is just my resistance to it, really. Bodies make noise. So, if I don't have the expectation of everything being quiet, then I don't suffer so much. So we move our mind around to, to in, in accordance with uh, what's, you know, what we're, the mode we're operating in. Skillful means. It seems by and large that um, most people need to uh, both be embodied and also heartful, as these two qualities are areas that get uh, buried or lost or given inadequate attention in our in our lives. I don't think there was such an issue for people in the time of the Buddha, because if you're embodied, you're automatically heartful. The two go together. If you're not, Embodied, then you, well, you, you know, you lose heart. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Just you're not connecting to your goodness. Uh, you're connecting to your efficiency, or uh, whether you know, or even just thoughts about how good you are, or whether people like you, and stuff like this. And there's no way of knowing because you, you can't know that from your head. So we we put our intelligence into the world of, of um, virtual reality where it's just ghosts and some of them are not particularly pleasant ghosts saying very unpleasant things or fearful things or jealous things about ourselves and others you come down into the heart and you know what's really important just to be nice to yourself <laughs> is a I think it took me about two years of practice to get around to. <laughs> At least two years of very solid, intensive practice to begin to recognize, I think I better start to be nice to myself. <laughs> These are such simple things. And you think, How did I forget that? Because I was too busy being earnest and and diligent and and attentive and developing mindfulness and concentrating so busy doing that to to touch in Mm. what would that mean to be a friend to yourself Mm. comfort yourself when it's difficult you know rouse yourself when it's when you're lazy 
forgive yourself when you get it wrong. Um, look out for your welfare. Check in with, with safety. Check in that you're all present with what you do. And uh, align yourself to the good company. Align yourself to the good company, to the company near and far, alive and dead. Align yourself to that. As you check in with your immaterial, your subtle material realities, this sense of disengagement, not dissociation, but a sense of stepping back in order to get things in perspective in the heart. So we're detecting emotional tones, roughly speaking, emotive tones, rather than ideas. So we might label things, this is, is uh, a sadness or tension, but on an emotive level, this is sh- this is sharp, or this is sh- this is hot, or this is gripping. Yeah. So use the map like the people of the land, rather than the Google map or the psychological map, because that's the place. It's just another map, of course, but that's the place where you're going to be able to approach it from heart. This is the map that the heart can work with. This is where everything is seizing up. This is where things are becoming rigid. This is where things are flowing. This is where I have to pause, step back, widen, soften. This is where I have to wait three days until things have changed. This is where I pick up um, my, my mantra my blessedness, and move forward into the dark, the confused. This is where I bring forth my loving kindness into the cold or the challenging. And so we move through this this multi-layered cosmos, whether it's at a place where it's embodied heart, And you move at the pace which is allowable in accordance with what you're moving through. Some territory is pretty slow going. And it's very slow going. But just putting one step foot down and then one another step down. It's very slow going with pauses. We have to get your strength back, your energy back, your courage back, and then you move on. So this is this is real travelling and real territory to to move through. So we continue. Personally, 
I think I need a little time to check in with a few trees. Bear in mind that the territory you're crossing, however tenacious and confusing it may seem, is there to teach you something. Uh, you learn your skills from the territory. You know, it's going to teach you something. So when you come to these difficult things that are stuck with for years, or frustrating, or what on earth is this about, why is it like that? No, no. It's, there to, you learn, you teach, it's there to teach you something. Be respectful. You learn something about expansiveness or compassion or patience or you can learn something and everything is an opportunity to to learn the bits that we didn't learn that we may have needed to learn and these seeming tangles are like difficult teachers you know push you into corners until you you begin to touch into the skills that are necessary to flip them over these are like judo teachers and they they push you uh, by all means you know, find your, your sweet spots and your comfort places and your safe zones and then you know just bear in mind it's there's nothing going wrong really it's just a matter of timing and an attitude uh, of yeah, jitta can learn about this. Mm. And to learn it means something you didn't know has to become revealed. And it's going to come through this heart area. So, many blessings to yourselves for this practice and perseverance. <laughs>